This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Happy Father's Day to all our dads out there. This morning, you can clap for our dads. We love our dads. All right, so this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Romans chapter 5, and you can find that on page 942 in your pew Bibles if you didn't bring a Bible with you. So it is the month of June, and the month of June is not only the month we celebrate our dads, it's also the month we celebrate our grads. I've been to many uh, fun high school graduation parties in the last few weeks, which is always a lot of fun. High school graduation is such an exciting moment. You're finishing this really significant season in your life, and you're celebrating that. You're also looking forward to the adventures that lie in front of you. I still remember my high school graduation party. Um, well, actually, what I really remember is getting a whole bunch of gifts at my high school graduation party. And I've actually brought one of the gifts I got at my high school graduation with me this morning. And I just want to warn our graduating seniors that if you didn't get one of these, you're going to be super jealous when I show it to you. So here it is. It's this book, Translations and Annotations of Choral Repertoire. <laughs> Volume 1, Sacred Latin Texts. Okay, so the joke was supposed to be at the first service that, of course, no one else received this gift at their graduation, except Brett Kroll's dad was here, and he raised his hand. He's like, I have one of those. <laughs> but, the, but the rest of you can be super jealous. Well, so actually, when I received this at my, um, at my graduation, when my choir director showed up and gave me this gift, my response was something like, oh, great, a book about Latin. Thank you so much. I was definitely more excited on that day about all the Target gift cards I had received and my very own first set of towels that I was going to take with me as I left for college. And I think this book actually spent all four years of my college life in a box somewhere. And then for several years after college, it sat way up on a shelf, and I never used it. But of course, the Target gift cards that I received, I spent those in a matter of weeks. And I don't think the towels even made it through four years of college. And then years later, when I'd become a worship pastor and a church choir director, I pulled that book off the shelf, I opened it up, and I rediscovered it. And I was like, this, this book is amazing. It gives the origins, the history, the context of several significant texts that we sing each and every week here at Resurrection the Gloria, the Sanctus, and so many others. And so now after 26 years, this gift is incredibly valuable to me. And it sits very low on a shelf right behind my desk so I can refer to it uh, whenever I need it. In fact, it's actually the only gift I still have from my high school graduation. So last week, oh, I gotta tell you this first, sorry. Um, have you ever received a gift? Have you ever received a gift that had much more value than you thought when you first received it? Perhaps when the gift was given to you, you thought, what's the purpose? What do I do with this? And then over the course of time, you began to realize that there was tremendous value to you in that gift. Have you ever known a really good gift giver, someone who seems to know, sometimes even better than you know, what you might need? what you might want. Our passage this morning in Romans chapter 5 
is all about the fact that your heavenly Father is an incredibly good gift giver. So last week, Father Matt kicked off our series on the book of Romans for the summer. And if you haven't heard it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. It gives context for the whole series. It's also a tour de force because somehow Father Matt covered four chapters of the book of Romans in under 30 minutes. Um, I'm not really good with math, but per chapter, that's like not many minutes. So if you remember, Paul is leading us through those four chapters to the heart of the message of the free gift we have received of justification. So just a a quick review of justification. Justification is the act by which we, as unrighteous sinners, we are reconciled to God and considered righteous in his sight. And Paul continues to talk about this gift of justification and to describe it in our passage this morning. Verse 9 we have now been justified by his blood. Verse 10, for, what, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So last week, we talked about justification, and we talked about these three main attributes of justification. First of all, justification is by grace alone. In other words, it's a free gift from God. Second, it's in, it is in Christ alone. It is only through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross that our sin is pardoned and that we are made righteous before God. And then third, justification is through faith alone. We can't earn the gift, but we simply open our hands to receive it. And we receive it not by what we do, not by our works, but we receive it through faith in Jesus. So there it is. You have received an incredibly valuable gift from your Heavenly Father. You have received the life-changing gift of justification through faith in Christ. But I do wonder, do you think of justification as changing your life, as changing your life here and now? We can certainly have the tendency to reduce our justification down to only having value in relation to what happens at the end of our life, right? We've received this gift, and we're going to hold on to it for the future, and then someday, when we arrive at the pearly gates, we'll pull out our justification card, and we'll be admitted. But do you think of justification as something that you have access to in your daily life now? Does it change anything about your current circumstances? So this past week, I had the chance to gather with a small group of very dear friends, people I haven't gotten to spend a whole lot of time with over the last couple of years. So we were all going around in a circle and just sharing updates about our lives. And there was this theme that ran through everyone sharing about what's been going on in their life. And the theme was this. The last few years, they've just been really, really hard. So everyone had different stories they were telling about the challenges they've faced in the last few years. Stories of relational challenges, uh, stories of vocational challenges, financial strain, health crises. 
So what does the gift of justification do for all that stuff? Is it a gift that we have access to? Is it a gift that you have access to in your daily life? Or is it kind of sitting up high on a shelf somewhere, sort of like this book was for me for so many years? So after Paul establishes at the end of chapter 4 that all of us, Jews and Gentiles alike, are justified by faith in Christ, he turns in chapter 4 to talk about the value of the gift of justification that we've received. He begins the chapter with this phrase, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have. Present tense. And then in the next two verses, Paul quickly unpacks three things that every justified believer has received. One commentator refers to these as the blissful consequences of our justification. It's like we're watching Paul pull the gift box down off the shelf, and he opens it up, and he starts exploring. And what we see when he looks inside is that there's multiple gifts inside. There's gifts within the gift of justification. So look at those first two verses. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So I want to take just a few minutes this morning on each of these gifts that we've received as part of our gift of justification. In shorthand, peace, grace, and hope. Because each of them, they're gifts that are available to you now. And they're available to you on a regular, ongoing, daily basis. So let's pull the box off the shelf. And let's see if we can delight in and explore the value that each of these gifts might have in our daily lives. So first, the gift of peace. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word peace speaks of reconciliation, a word that's also littered throughout this passage. Peace means that our broken relationship with the Lord has been reconciled. We see in verse 10 that Paul notes that even though our sin had made us enemies, had put us at enmity with the Lord, it was he who initiated the process of reconciling that relationship through the gift of his son. So not only has Jesus' death on the cross canceled the penalty for your sin, but it's also brought healing. It's brought reconciliation and peace in the most important relationship in your life. You have peace with your heavenly Father, and the peace that you receive from that relationship has the ability to flow out into every area of your life. And that word um, used for peace, in other places it's translated, connected to the word Friendship. It's connected to the idea of friendship. By reconciling and bringing peace to our relationship, the Lord is drawing close to us in friendship. 
Father Matt shared this great quote last week. Forgiveness means you may go, but but justification means you may come. Your Heavenly Father, He's not standing far off in suspicion and judgment. No, He has done everything possible to reconcile your relationship, to draw you closer. He's offering you the gift of peace. He's offering you the gift of His friendship. So here on Father's Day, we can think about the fact that a parent will invest so many years in raising their child, right? Providing for them, sacrificing for them, teaching them, correcting them. And they do all these things in the hopes that when their child grows up and they start to mature, that parental-to-child relationship will blossom into a friendship. A parent will invest so much time and often so much money in their child and the things that matter to their kid in order to build relationship and friendship with them. Over the last 20 years, my life has been full of trains and dance and swimming and Star Wars and Legos and baseball. I've invested in all those things in the life of my kids because I want to build a friendship with my kids. Okay, to be fully honest, caring about baseball has never been a particularly difficult task for me. But the question is, is is that a picture you have of your Heavenly Father drawing close to you in friendship, invested in your life? Just do a Bible word search for passages that speak of peace and friendship with the Lord. My peace I leave to you. My peace I give you. Trouble not your hearts. If you're imagining the Lord as a distant, hypercritical person waiting for you to make your next mistake, it's kind of hard to live a life of peace. But peace can flow out from, to every area of your life from the reconciled relationship, the close friendship that your Heavenly Father is trying to build with you. So that's first gift, peace. And the second one is grace. Since we have been justified by faith, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace into which we stand. This grace in which we stand. What does it mean to stand in grace? Well, perhaps you can recall some of those Old Testament stories about people trembling in fear before they came before the presence of a king. You can think of the danger David faced in the presence of Saul, or you can think of Esther fasting and praying before she came into the presence of King Ahasuerus to make her requests. People came before the king with no assurance that he was going to show them his grace. If they said the wrong thing, or if he happened to be in a bad mood that day, instead of granting their request, he might take off their head. But those who have been justified by faith in Jesus, they don't fall in and out of grace with their king. They stand in it. 
since we have been reconciled to God through Jesus once and for all, we don't have to worry about falling in and out of his favor. His approval is permanent, and now nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Since you've been justified, the King of Kings has bestowed upon you his permanent grace and favor. And so you can approach the throne at any time. Many other religions believe that their gods must be appeased before you can draw near and make your requests. But through Jesus' finished work on the cross, you're standing before the Lord. It's not precarious. It's secure. Your access to the Lord, it's not sporadic. It's continuous. You have unfettered access to your King. You have unwavering favor. So yes, there's a a whole sermon on how we could more frequently and more fervently make use of the gift of God's grace as we come before the Lord in prayer. But before we too quickly turn that gift into some sort of burden or some sort of guilt trip, this morning I want to invite you to pay attention to the posture that you can bring before the Lord in your life of prayer. The Lord is welcoming you into his presence. You've obtained access by faith. Paul says that you are invited to come and stand in his grace. There's a song we sing sometimes here at Resurrection, and it begins with these lyrics. I approach the throne of glory, nothing in my hands I bring but the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious king. Since you've been justified, you've received the Lord's favor, the promise of his acceptance, so you don't have to tiptoe into his presence. And neither is he trying to shame you into praying. He's welcoming you come before him, standing in the grace that you've been given. The third gift is the gift of hope. Since we have been justified by faith, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in it. So first of all, that word rejoice here can also be translated as boasting. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. As a justified follower of Jesus, you are guaranteed an inheritance that is worth holding your head high about. And it's okay to be proud of that, right? Because anyone who will open their hands and receive that gift receives the same inheritance. Anyone who believes will not perish, but will be given the gift of eternal life. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and the hope that Paul is talking about here, it's not wishful thinking. Christian hope that we receive through our justification in Christ, it's our anticipation of the future that's already been secured for us. Have you ever opened a gift 
that was the promise of something that is to come. Something like concert tickets or a vacation that you're going to go on. The gift itself, it's already been purchased, and you are going to receive it. But there's this period of time between when you open the gift and when you get to fully experience the gift. And in between those two points, there's this sense of anticipation. There's this sense of hope as you wait for that day to come. In Jesus' death and resurrection, your future has already been secured for you. The price for your future and this gift has already been paid. And Paul says we can open the gift now, the gift of the hope of the glory of God. And we anticipate the day when we will, when we will receive it in all its fullness. The, the promise of the hope of the glory of God. There's, there's so much that's wrapped up in that one little phrase. So just listen here for a moment as uh, Anglican pastor and theologian John Stott unpacks all that's contained within the hope of the glory of God. First, he says, Jesus Christ himself will appear with great power and glory. Second, we will not only see his glory, but be changed into it so that he will be glorified in his holy people. And then thirdly, even the groaning creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The renewed universe will be suffused with its creator's glory. All of that, all of that future glory has been given to you as a gift. It's already been bought. You don't have to spend your life trying to earn it or worrying about whether you have it. Jesus' cross and resurrection has secured for you what will one, be, one day be made fully manifest. The price has already been paid. God's future glory is secure. It's three incredible gifts that have been given to us in our justification. Peace. Peace and reconciliation with God. Grace, his unwavering grace and favor, which you can stand in. And hope, the hope of his eternal glory. And Paul goes on from there to express the life-changing impact that these gifts can have. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I mentioned that group of friends that gathered this week, and the theme everyone was sharing about how challenging, how hard the last few years have been. There was another theme that was in everyone's story. Alongside each person's particular challenges, struggles, and indeed sufferings, each person also had a testimony of the Lord's faithfulness amidst those challenges. Some people shared something the Lord had taught them in a season of challenge. Other people shared particular ways they could see that they had grown 
through difficult circumstances. Many people just shared simple moments of the Lord displaying his tender love and kindness to them in the very hardest moments. Each person's testimony was like a taste of what Paul is talking about here. Our justification and the gifts that flow out of it, they shift the entire paradigm of our life. Suffering is no longer meaningless. Suffering becomes the path of transformation. Suffering becomes the path of following Jesus. And we don't walk the path alone. The Lord has poured his love, he's poured his very self into our hearts. And we can know the presence of his Holy Spirit. Even amidst great challenges, we can know peace, and we can know grace, and we can know hope. Your Heavenly Father is such an incredibly good gift giver. And he doesn't give you gifts and then take them back, and then give you gifts and then take them back. They're yours now, and they're yours permanently. And his gifts are so lavish. They're so sacrificial. They're so undeserved. The Lord holds nothing back to express his love for you. Verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Each gift is a sign of the Lord's love for us. So as we delight in these gifts, may they ultimately lead us to greater delight in the Lord, the giver of good gifts, the Father who has held nothing back to bless his children. So perhaps this morning the Lord would lead you and draw you even now to lay hold of one of these gifts in particular in a new way. Maybe there's one that feels like it's been absent from your life. So even this morning, someone could pray for you that you would experience a particular gift more fully. Peace, grace, hope. And in a few minutes, we'll receive the free gift offered to us each week at the table, the gift of the body and blood of Jesus. And at the end of the prayers, Bishop Stewart will say, the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. And I encourage you to name before the Lord whatever gift feels most absent for you. Peace, grace, hope. These two are free gifts of our justification. They are gifts of God for the people of God. So may the Lord enliven these gifts in each of us as we feed on them in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.